0: Well, let's go ahead and turn in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 22, and we're going to read verses 34 through 39. Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 through 39. And if this is already sounding familiar to you, it's because this is where we find the greatest commandment that God has given us. Actually, the greatest two commandments, and hopefully by now, if you've been in church long enough, you know the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart. All of your soul, all of your mind, and all of your strength. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. And we're going to begin reading that. Uh, If you will stand, we'll go ahead and stand and read that together. Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 through 39, it says this. It says, But when the Pharisees had heard that they had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him, being Jesus, a question, tempting him and saying, Master, what which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said unto him this, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Let's pray and commit this time to the Lord. Lord, this is your word. God, You only you can determine what is great. And God, this is known as the greatest commandments. And God, I believe they're great because you expect us to do them. And Lord, that you are going to hold us accountable one day. God, that we have been a lover of you and a lover of our brothers and sisters and our neighbors. So God, help us to do that. Help us to be honest with ourselves today as we look closely, Lord, at what it means to love your neighbor. We pray this now in your name. Amen. All right. And as you're um, seated today, the title of the message today is To Spring Forward Before We Fall Back. Spring forward before you fall back. And I want you to think about this passage of Scripture found in Luke chapter 22 where Jesus is confronted by a lawyer. And don't lawyers always have the best questions? And, you know, when I'm watching uh, the news and oftentimes when these penetrating questions are asked of either the president or a congressman, oftentimes they already know the answer to the question. But they are trying to trap you or they're trying to catch them Oh, but didn't you say earlier that, well, you know, you're going to do this? But now you're saying this is important. So this is the kind of situation that Jesus is finding himself in. People know what Jesus has been teaching. They know that Jesus is claiming to be the Messiah. So now a lawyer, a Pharisee of the Pharisees has come and wants to uh, talk to Jesus about what is the greatest commandment. And when he asked Jesus this question, and Jesus answers him and says, Oh, well, to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your mind. Well, that wasn't revolutionary. Because everyone in the Jewish community knew the Shema. And the Shema is found in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, which says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. And we are to love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And guess what? If you were a kid who lived back in those days, you knew that. It was kind of like the Pledge of Allegiance that we know now. You know, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Everyone in here could say that. So when Jesus gave them this answer it was not surprising that he said the Shema. This, was, this is what Jesus, the, the Bible records in the Old Testament, and said that they were to write this down everywhere. They were to talk about it with their children. And, you know, it should be uh, you know pretty much everywhere. But then when Jesus adds the second part to it, now this is a little revolutionary. Now, Jesus is still quoting the Bible because this passage of Scripture is found in Luke chapter 19, verse 18 that references that we are to love our neighbors. But Jesus threads those two ideas together and says, the second is like it. Whoa, nothing is like loving God. Nothing can be like loving God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength. You're saying there's something like it? There's something similar to that. So Jesus is being revolutionary now. He is saying, this commandment that I'm fixing to give you, which is already in the Bible, is like the other one. He's putting weight where others may not have seen weight. And they, they say, oh, I remember that passage in Leviticus. But You're saying, that idea is related to this idea? You mean just me going to the temple... And worshiping God and learning the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Learning the history of my people and, you know, being clean before God, that's not enough. You're saying that is just as important? Well, today's message, we're going to look at that today. But we're going to think, you know what? The lawyer got to ask his question. But, you know, if I was standing around that day and others were standing... I'd had some follow-up questions. Wouldn't you had some follow-up questions with that? Well, wait, 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 hold on. Whoa. Jesus, just—he just, you know, revolution. It's kind of like changing the Pledge of Allegiance, you know, uh, to the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, liberty and justice for all. And especially to all those at New Rocky Creek Baptist Church. Now that sounds good, but I don't have the right to do that, and that's. So some of them were questioning Jesus' is authority and his authority had certainly been questioned throughout the New Testament. But they, as they begin to to look at it, and if you're honest with yourself, I'm sure they begin to see, Oh my goodness. He says the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Everything in the Bible can be hung underneath. It's either you're loving God or you're loving your neighbor. Okay, look at the commandments. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal. Other commandments, they either have to do with your relationship with God, or they have to do with your relationship with loving others. So, my sermon today has in mind the person who was there who didn't get to ask Jesus the, the follow-up questions. Wait, hold on. How, how am I supposed to put these two together? I have some questions, Jesus. I have some questions about loving my neighbor. And some of the things that might keep me and prevent me from doing that. And are you are you really serious? And so we're going to look at some of those things today as we look at the greatest commandment. And as I began to pray about this message, and I knew the opportunity was here. Pastor Randy would be out today, and a lot of thought and prayer has gone into our new campaign in the community, and it is to love our neighbor. And some of you have already signed up, and you've. You've been confronted and you've seen the, you know, you've seen the houses and you've seen the, uh, you know, that we're going to, throughout the next, the the coming months, we're going to be praying, we're going to be meeting with them, we're going to be, hopefully, you're finding a neighbor and someone that God has put on your heart that eventually you'll share Jesus with them and maybe invite them to church. And last year, you know, our, our focus was Love Unleashed and we went out into the community with different ideas and man, what an impact that was. This year, we're bringing it to our neighborhoods. We're bringing it to those around us to love our neighbor as ourselves. So last week, some of us have already put that name up there that you're going to be praying for. And yes, you, in order to, to, to love someone, unfortunately, you got to know their name. you got to fit, find them. You've got to meet them. If you're going to love them, you're going to have to meet them. So that's the first step. Who is it that you need to meet and Be praying for and put, get your house going. Get your house, you know, turn the light on in your house. The light will be on when you have someone's name written down. And uh, we have a a one here It says, I will commit to pray for this person. And print the name of your neighbor. And that's going to be hanging up there. If you don't know about our campaign, campaign, that's what's going on. To love your neighbor. And as I begin to pray about this message, I begin to think about... You know, I, I want to be honest, the last six months I've been busy learning this new job and the last thing I've really been thinking about is my neighbors. You know, I've, uh, it's easy to just ride right past them and to not really feel any sense of responsibility. So as I began to pray, I started to think, Lord, how has this principle played out in my life? How have I been impacted by this concept of loving your neighbor? And the Lord began to share with me and speak to me about, you know, Josh, you wouldn't even be a Christian if it wasn't for your neighbor." You know, my parents didn't go to church, really, growing up, and even we moved to Covington in 1972. Mom and Dad bought a house out on Flat Shoals Road, and you know, back then everybody would go to the church right around the corner. It was known as Midway Baptist Church, and we had some neighbors, Miss Miss Quintus and Buddy Johnson, that lived two houses down, and their uh, their their children. One of them's now pastor of Stewart Community Church there off uh, 36 and. But anyways, they would go to church, and they'd walk to church on Sunday morning, three boys in the family, Jason, Jeff, and John, Quintus, and Buddy, on their way to church, and they'd walk right past mom and dad's house, and mom and dad would be out working in the yard, and they'd say, hey, gal, Jerry, why don't y'all come to church with us today? Nah, we're busy. Jerry has to work throughout the week, driving, work nights. We gotta get some stuff done. But you know, eventually, my brother, who was born at the time and then about 7 or 8 he was like hey I want to go Y'all, you know, I want to go to the children's ministry I want to go hang out with, with the boys so my brother started to go and got saved baptized before you know it mom and dad's going to church saved by the grace of God because a neighbor you know they could have just drove to church but that was, I think that was a testimony we're going to walk to church as a family and, man, what a, what a difference. Uh, and I'm not going to challenge y'all to start walking to ch- church, right? That might be a little bit heavy for you today. But, hey, we are going to start thinking about this principle of loving our neighbor and the ingenious idea that Jesus had. And, you know, there's already been statistics done in different churches and communities. And the statistics tell us that the church is loving the community at no greater level than those in the world. And think about how many people could be impacted even in a church at 150 or less. And some of y'all seen the houses and maybe your neighborhood is not laid out exactly, you know, with three in the front, three behind you. That That's irrelevant. You need to be reaching out to those who you are in proximity to. Okay? And um, I said that to say something. But... Um, all right, so we're going to move on into the message, thinking about, thinking about the perspective of, this, of these people who had the follow-up questions. So I'm supposed to love my, lab, love, love my labor, love my neighbor, but what might be preventing me from doing that? Okay? There are some things and there are some situations going on in our mind and in our heart that keep us from doing that. And some of the things I have written down here is, what if I don't even love myself? How am I going to love my neighbor, Jesus, if I'm having a hard time loving myself? Amen? That, you know, the devil has got us so bogged down with, you know, our own idea of ourselves. You know, that first commandment is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all your mind, all your strength. And if you do that, God's going to fill you up. He's going to fill you up with his love. He's going to fill you up. And, you know, we've got to, first off, we've got to learn how to love our own self. Right? You know, if we can't do that, if I don't have anything bubbling up out of me, you know, what do I really have to give to my neighbors? And we're going to get there in a second. So that would be my question for Jesus. Jesus, I, I don't know. You sure you want me to love my neighbors like I love myself? Have you seen how I treat myself? You know, I've been I, I've been messing up, Lord. I, I've been selfish in my own family. I've been, you know, distracted with just totally my job. And God, I've been so self-consumed with the, the things that I want. And, you know, and yet you tell me to love my neighbor the way I'm loving myself? Well, you know what, I think Jesus will say, no. First off, you, you, need to be, you need to be loving, you know, you need to be loving me. And you need to be, you need that peace in your heart first, yes. You know, the devil tells us so many lies. You know, we look in the mirror, we don't like what we see. We look in the carport, we don't like our car. We look behind us, we don't like our house. You know, we look in the city, we don't even like the city we're in. You know, we, we can be so negative. And yet, God is saying, I have you here right now for a reason. Amen? He has us where we are for a reason. Another question. So, you know, not only what if I don't even love myself, God, what is it or what is it that I have that my neighbor doesn't? You know, that might be a question you ask yourself. What is it that I have that my neighbor doesn't? You know? And it may not always be some kind of physical thing that they don't have or do have, all right? I remember when I was a kid and we'd start raking the yard and all of a sudden some of the neighbor kids would come over and help me out. And man, what an opportunity, something like that can be. Just little things like that. What is it that my neighbor has that I don't? Or what is it that I have that my neighbor doesn't? We're talking about needs. You know, maybe someone was sitting there in that, that day and was thinking, of course, you know, Mr. Rogers hadn't been invented yet, but maybe your excuse right now is, look, I'm just not built like Mr. Rogers. It might be a beautiful day in the neighborhood, but I'm just not the very neighborly. You know, I don't come in and put my shoes on and all this, and I'm not whistling around the house and looking for neighbors to go talk to. That's just not me. And some of us are thinking that that's who God must be talking to those people. Certainly there are those with that type of personality or those type of spiritual gifts, right? Where they can go and knock on the door and and meet some of these neighbors that we're supposed to be loving. But you know what I'm finding out? That all of us have different and unique spiritual gifts. Maybe you don't have the ability and you're not really gifted in the area of evangelism. But you're observant. You know, you you ride by, and all of a sudden you notice there's a tree down in your neighbor's yard. You know, that's been laying there for months. And, you know, someone who's gifted in evangelism might just go over there and step right over that tree, knock on the door, and, and start telling them about Jesus, not even see some of the needs that are right in front of their face. So God can take what your capacity is. He can take what your giftedness is to love your neighbor, you know it takes everyone. All right, God's not going to ask you; He's not asking you to do something that we're not capable of doing, guys. This is again, this is the greatest commandment: to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. You know, and some of us are saying, "Well, I'm just not built like Mr. Rogers." But you know what? You've got if you've got the love of God in your heart, if you've got a passion for God, man, that you've, God will show you some things that you're just not seeing right now. You know, if you put that name on the board, and you're praying, man, God will begin to show you some things. And you know, one of the questions might ask, well, hold on, Jesus, who is my neighbor? I follow up question, Jesus, who is my neighbor? Right? And Jesus had answered that question when he told the story of the Good Samaritan and how many of us remember the story about the Good Samaritan you learned it in Sunday school right he gets beat up really bad and all of a sudden he's on the side of the road and someone comes along and he provides care you know he he puts him on his donkey takes him to the inn and he pays two dineros for him to to have anything he needs and he promises listen If there's anything else this man needs to be healed, just let me know and I will take care of that as well. The story of the Good Samaritan. And through that story, we can learn a lot about how to love our neighbor. First off, you know, the word neighbor comes from a word that means a near dweller. So anybody that I'm coming in contact with is my near dweller, is my neighbor. But man, it needs to start with those directly around us, right? What an opportunity. And in the story of the Good Samaritan, we see that love is proactive. That love must be our God. That love is observant. You know, the scripture in that passage tells us that he saw him and went to him. You know, love will cause you to be observant. Are you observing what's going on in your neighborhood? Guys, let's be honest. And sometimes I, I can ride right past people in my neighborhood and not even make eye contact with them. You know, we get so focused on where we're going that we are not where we are. Jesus was always where he was. And we've got to first learn how to love and be where we are. Where has God got you? you know, every day, you know, we're, we're going, and listen, now the, the time is changing. You have an opportunity to have more daylight and you're going, to be, you're going to start seeing your neighbors out there cutting the grass. You're going to start seeing your neighbors out there maybe throwing the football. You're going to start seeing people going to their pools. and um, you know, All kind of things will start to happen this time of year. The opportunity is great. And some of you are saying, well, I'm just not Mr. Rogers. Well, trust me, God has gifted you. And he, he can use you to reach out to your neighbors. If you'll let him, if you'll begin praying. And listen, is there, these, if, let's just say you do be successful in doing this. You know, chances are your neighbor's not going to be calling you every day. They're not going to be calling you every week probably. They might not even call you every year. But you know what they're going to remember? They're going to remember that time that you helped them or that you was, saw something that they were going through and you, you, know, you offered some kind of support to them. And, man, what a difference. You know, and, and I, I must admit, sometimes I get in the mindset where I was just taught, you know, you just need to mind your own business, kind of. I'm just going to mind my business. I'm not going to worry about what they're doing. And, you know, that could, that could backfire on me, right? I get too involved with some of these people around me. All of a sudden, something don't go right. Boom, I'm going to have to move, right? You've seen that show, Bad Neighbor or whatever it is. It can happen, right? And you start having these fears, But you know what? If you're always minding your business, how are you going to mind his business? If you're always minding your business, how are you going to mind his business? Jesus said that we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. Okay, We've got to be about the Father's business. And some of you are saying, well, I'm just not, hey, I'm not ever even home that much. Jesus, I don't, I mean, I live there, but not really. I mean, I work two jobs and, You know, I've got a family, I'm not really even there half the time. You know, I don't even feel like I have that much contact with my neighbor. How am I supposed to do that? You know, there are so many different excuses that we can begin to come up with to not love our neighbor. But yet... Jesus said that loving God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength is just like loving your neighbor. Man, how awesome and crazy is that? That, and some of us are sitting here saying, oh, well, Jesus, I heard what you just said about the greatest commandment, but I want to be honest. I have more fear in my heart for my neighbor than I do love. Is that you today? You know, I have more, you know, my neighbors are suspect or suspicious or, you know, they're doing some things that I don't quite understand or they're, you know, they're just, you know, I I just can't relate to to what they're doing and what's going on. I, I just, I have more fear than I do love for my neighbors. You know, and the Bible says that perfect love casteth out all fear. That fear is perfected in love. The guys, we got to stop being afraid of our neighbors. We've got to stop being afraid of our neighbors. You know, man, what... There's, there, there, there's some creative ways that you can get out there to love your neighbor. Um, you know, sometimes it's just as simple as praying for them. You can just praying for them, or even being, you know, being someone that would be willing to listen to someone. Look, you know those people in your family that they always have a problem. Are you going to, most of the time, what do you do? You don't ask them, how's everything going? Because you know you fixed them to find out. You don't want to find out. You know, and guess what? You could be, you could be out in the community, and what you're going to find out is, wow, you just asked a question that nobody in the family is wanting to ask. You just, you know you just put your finger on the issue that you know and all of a sudden they have somebody to talk to their whole family has shut them off they've broken that relationship with their family but now you ask them how are you holding together you know how how is your how how are things Man, i know you know and truthfully this, this whole, when we were asked to list our neighbors and, you know, the, the six people or eight people living around you, that's known as the card of shame. Because, truthfully, most people wouldn't know the names of, of who are those around them anymore. Okay? And, you know, me as well. I get, we get so focused, you know, we don't, we're not even looking and making eye contact with those that we live next door to. But there's creative ways. You know, we can pray. We can, maybe there's something we can give them you know, that they need. Or some way we can serve them. Or be some type of help. You know, if you have children, there's carpool situations. There's things that you can do. And all this is for the purpose of, of bringing people to Jesus. Amen? All this is for the purpose of bringing people to Jesus. You know, maybe you could... Um, you can even play together. Hey, you like to hunt? I like to hunt. Or you like to fish? I like to fish. There's opportunities to reach out that way and say, hey, you know, let's, let's go fish sometime. I don't know anybody that doesn't like to eat. Hardly. Right? You know, we're having a cookout or we're having, we have some extra hamburgers and hot dogs. Why don't you come? Why don't you come over? Why don't you bring the kids? Man, there is so many ways, so many opportunities to reach out to our neighbor sitting right in front of us. We learn so much from the story of the Good Samaritan. We learned that not only is love observant, that not only did he see him when he was beaten down, but he, was, he had compassion on him. And he was responsive. Sometimes love is costly. You know, and it's going to be in the most inopportune time. You know, it reminds me of the story of the person I saw uh, a clip on uh, online about the person who, you know, was on their way to the job interview. And all of a sudden they see someone close by whose tires went flat and they stopped to help the person, but they knew they were going to be late for their job interview. And they get to the job interview late and dirty and not prepared. And the man is like, if you don't respect my time, I don't think this is going to work. How can I hire someone that can't even get here on time? And yet, you know, he's about to uh, dismiss this man. And all of a sudden, the boss man's daughter walks in and says, hey, dad, that's the guy that changed my tire this morning. You know, it can be something like that. It's always the most inopportune time where something can happen and you can make a difference in someone's life. And you can reach out and love. And it may not be, you know, you may not feel like doing it. Love is sacrificial. You know, he gave, it he, he, he cost him something. Two denaro, which was, trying to think, I think that was a couple days wages during that time. So he, it costed him something. And it's also communal. Love involves other people, guys. Listen, maybe you're not, maybe you do have more fear and love in your heart for your neighbor, but you know what there's somebody in the church who don 't have I know at least one man that don 't have any fear about knocking on a door or meeting a neighbor, and that 's brother Randy or someone around here all right i 'll even go with you you know let's let's let 's love our neighbors let 's meet them let 's you know let 's involve others you know maybe there's an opportunity for you. You know, to team up with other people and say, you know, just like we did this morning in Sunday school, we began to pray for our neighbor. And we prayed for uh, someone who's, in my class, we prayed for Brother Jim Daniel and his wife to uh, reach out to a couple that was on the card that we prayed for, that they would be successful and that they would make an impact on their life. Guys, just think about how many people could be reached. Even in a church of 150 or less, everybody was here, right? And uh, it was Easter. <laughs> I'm just kidding, but uh, so <laughs> uh, if you think about 150, let's just say uh, let's just say 50, let's just say 100. Doing the math, we're now into the thousands. You know, you're starting to get into the thousands of people, uh that will be impacted in a community of only 14,000. Now, what a difference just starting to love those around us will make. And some of us are thinking, well, um, I just don't think, again, I just don't really think that I have, um, you know, I'm hardly ever home. Or, you um, One question might be, is what is it that I have that I feel compelled to give to my neighbor? What is it that I have that I feel compelled to give to my neighbor? Let me just say, if you're a Christian, you know, I have a home in heaven, and I feel compelled that my neighbor have one too. Amen, we should. You know, as a Christian, I should feel compelled that my neighbor has every good and perfect gift that God has for them. You know, God has given me every good and perfect gift that's available for me. I want my neighbor to have the same thing. You know, I want my, you know, if, if I had children, I would want them in church. And, you know, I want, you know, the Bible says to love your neighbor as yourself. This is what we're talking about. How do we love ourselves? What are the essential things that we want for ourselves? And we want our families to be, you know, uh, we want them to know God. We want our children to know God. Do you want their children to know God? That's how you can love them. Start having a burden for them. Start having a burden for their children and saying, I want to see their children in church. I remember being at, uh, while I was in college, working, and it'd be vacation Bible school time, and we'd go out visiting, and we wouldn't invite children to church, and I remember being on the van and being young to ministry, and I was thinking everybody had, everybody needed to be invited, you know. But as I got on the van and we were riding through the neighborhoods, everybody had something negative to say. Well, that person over there, about you know their kids—they're not there half the time. Or, oh, I don't see any—I uh, don't see any swings or nothing around there. That I don't think they have any kids. And, uh, you know, as we began to go, and it seemed like everywhere we went, there just wasn't, all of a sudden, there wasn't any kids. And I was like, well, let's just go see. You know, we began to knock, and all of a sudden, two kids run out. You know, and uh, it just took a little bit of a fresh look that, you know, we can get so indifferent to where we live. It's, oh, they, that's just so-and-so up the street. They used to go to church. They don't go anymore. Or, you know, they would never come to church. You know they've got a, a drug issue, or they've got a, a some kind of, you know. I don't even need to, probably even confront this person. And there's so many things, guys, that can keep us from loving our neighbor. All right, it's easy to do. We can counsel people out. We do it all the time. But yet God says to love your neighbor as yourself. That this is the greatest commandment. It's like it to love me, and then. To others. So what is it that you feel compelled to give your neighbor? Do you have that joy in your heart? Do you have a home in heaven? Do you feel compelled that they have one too? Does your children know God and you feel compelled that theirs do too? You know, do you have um, you know, victory over maybe some type of uh, past, you know, whether it be abuse or addiction and you want them to have that victory too? You know, or maybe you have a cold, you know, you're riding by and all of a sudden you see their kids don't have a cold at the bus stop or you see, you notice they have a tree down in the yard. You, you know, you want their kid to have a coat too. Loving your neighbor as yourself is not as hard as it seems. I remember going to college and starting at TFC and I'd been getting excited about the Bible and some of the things and and I heard the, the Sunday school lesson of the greatest commandment. And I thought it was cool, but I was, it, it took me back when I went, and all of a sudden these professors who had spent their entire life studying, or you know, majority of their adult life, rather, studying the scriptures, and I was interested to hear, you know, the theology and all that they were going to be breaking down to me, but the one thing that they seemed so stuck on and so impressed upon us was this, idea to love God to love people that, that is something that you can miss that all, you know, all these ministers and young people that were going to this school, I had never seen it that way, I just thought it was another thing in the Bible but it's not guys, it's, it is the Bible everything hinges on this commandment to love me love God and to love others everything we don't do anything else we'd be alright. You know what I'm saying? If we, that's everything else. If you think about the commandments, you think about it. It all hinges on if we're loving God and we're loving our neighbor. And this idea that Jesus was saying is not just some kind of all-encompassing, you know, do-good type of situation. This is how people are reached. Is It takes you, it takes me, it takes us. Loving others. Loving people we don't know. Getting over that hump and saying, you know what, what is it that I have that I feel compelled to give my neighbor? You know, if you don't feel compelled to give your neighbor anything, something is lacking in you. Something is lacking in me. Something needs to be developed in my own heart as I am failing in the commandment to love him with all my heart, my soul, my mind, and my strength because that's going to produce some things that's going to cause you need to share with others. Guys, and that's how this world has changed. That's how our neighbors will be loved. And, you know, and a neighbor again is your near dweller. You know, we have neighbors at work. You're rubbing shoulders with an office. You know, maybe you have an office or they have a cubicle. Or you, you know, you have neighbors at the ball field. When you're watching your kids play and and you're watching, they're watching their kids play. You know, you have neighbors... You know, in the school line, as you're waiting to pick up your kids, and you have neighbors as you're waiting to get your food. All these people that we see at the gas station, you know, if we're always minding our business, when are we going to mind his? We've got to love our neighbors as ourselves. And most people in here, yes, we may have some, some things that are challenging, but we are pretty good at meeting our basic needs everyone in here was able to find some clothes and looks like you, you know, we're all eating. You know, we're all healthy. And we're all, you know, we all have the basic things. But, guys, there's people out there that don't. And they're living right around us. And, you know, sometimes it's not, like I say, you may live in a better neighborhood. You may live somewhere where there may not be a physical need that you can see as you ride by. You know, someone's cutting their grass, someone's doing this. But you know what? Who's telling them about the Lord? You know, what does it profit for a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? Who's telling them that? Who's telling them that you can, you know, make it through life? And, you know, one day I'm going to stand before the Lord and I want to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. Do I want my neighbor to hear that? Am I concerned that my neighbor won't hear that? Am I concerned that one day I'm going to stand before God and my neighbor might point me out and say, hey, he knows me. He knows me, but is Jesus going to be able to point him out and say, He knows me? He knows me. You know, are we doing what it takes, guys, to reach our community? It's that simple. Are we going to spring forward today and do something? The time is going to change, but are we going to change? You know, someone once asked the church, How many people won't change for the good? Everybody raised their hand. But then they ask the second question, well, who in here wants to change? Nobody raises their hand. And a lot of times, that's what happens with messages like this. Hell, it sounds good, change, loving your neighbor, that'd be a great change. Man, that would be awesome. But who's actually going to change? Who's actually going to be in their neighborhood? And start looking and seeing with the eyes of Christ some of the things that are going on. And realizing that, hey, i got to qu- stop worrying about where I'm going and be where I am. That we're missing it, guys. And it's so easy to do. It's so easy to be so selfish and, and self-consumed about, you know, I just, look, like, I barely have enough time to take care of my own home, my own kids, or my own situation. I don't have time to be loving neighbor it's easy to say that but you know what God didn't command the church the, the world to come to church he commanded you to go to the world he, he commanded you to love your neighbor and you are, you are the difference you are the bridge to God for them and it could just be as simple as walking past their house on the way to church or walking you know it's, it's fixing to start the, the time is changing and I've been extra trying to do get a little bit of running in. I'm thinking about trying to do some jogs in my neighborhood, you know, more as now that the time is changing. And try to see, you know, try to if I see them out in the yard, go up and talk with them. You know, it's amazing how many people you can meet just simply doing something like that. You know, or you see something new, or or you see, you know, maybe someone moved in new. Go meet them. Welcome them to the neighborhood. You know, find ways, guys. To love your neighbor. You know, some of us saying that, uh, well, Josh, this, this, this would have been great if it was the Andy Griffith Show in 1950. This sounds like a great episode of the Andy Griffith Show that you're talking about today. And I just don't think, and maybe even in the Jewish world back then where they all were kind of lived in close proximity, and you know what? Times change, but commandments don't. The times may have changed, but God's commandment hasn't. And, you know, maybe some of the opportunities that, that lie in the, in the 50s, and, oh, yeah, I can think of every excuse. Well, now we have carports, right? And carports just isolate us. I have a really long driveway, and it, it kind of puts me out away from my neighbors. And, and now that everybody's got electricity, you know, people used to hang out on the porches and they'd go stay outside because they didn't want to go inside. It was too hot and dark, right? And now, hey, they didn't have Wi-Fi back then. If they had Wi-Fi, they would have stayed, spent all their time in their house, you know, watching Netflix or whatever. So, you know, there's so many different excuses. But you know what? I bet the people from the past would say, wow, you mean to tell me y'all's generation has surplus of income? Has y'all got enough money to go out to eat? You got enough money to go on vacation? Man, well, y'all could be helping some people. Wow, we didn't have any extra. But what we did have, you know, we loved each other, we reached out, but we didn't have those resources. Yeah, we didn't have Wi-Fi and all that other stuff and ways to entertain ourselves, but we didn't have what y'all have. Man, if we did, we would have made a difference. If we had the extra that you guys have, if we had, you know, just a little, just, really, y'all have enough food where you put it in your refrigerator? You know, you have leftovers. You have, uh, you know, two cars. Man, guys, commandments change. I mean, times change, commandments don't. There's always an opportunity to love your neighbor as yourself. But we've got to wake up. You know, me as well. I have been, you know, the last six months, like I said, I've been distracted. and I've been trying to learn this new job, and I haven't been thinking about my neighbor be honest, I've just, you know, with it being dark, I don't even look half the time. The only time I look is see if the dog's going to chase me if I'm running around, right? Where's that dog at? Or, you know, I, but we've got to, we got to look. Man, I want to, what a difference we could possibly make with just that one conversation. You know, and again, there's people here to help. And yes, Jesus did say that. And there are many questions, there are many excuses. But you know what? No follow-up questions were really needed because the commandment is clear. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second is to like it. Listen, the measure according to 1 John and how we love God is in the way we love others. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. And he that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. And how can you love man? How can you love man who you've not seen? How can you leave man when you see him, but you, you, know, uh, you, know, you love God who you can't see? So how are you supposed to say you're going to love man when you see him right in front of you? you know, so the, the test of true love is always in the way we treat others. All the religion and all pure religion undefiled before God and the Father is just to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep them unspotted from the world. We're truly going to love God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength. There's no way we can continue to leave our driveways, not have any compassion, not have any thought, not have any concern, not have any... uh, idea what's going on around us. Can you imagine the disciples doing that? Leaving and not even having any thought for those around them. But we do it all the time. And we're programming ourselves to do that. Guys, let's open our eyes. What an opportunity. I want to see some of your neighbors in these seats. I want to see man, we saw what an impact uh, loving the community. We've heard back from some of the people that that ministry reached out to. I'm excited this time, or in the coming year, later on in the year, when some of these neighbors come. And we're, I think we're going to have a dinner or something for them. Isn't that right, Katie? Uh, on that special week when the neighbors finally come, we're going we're to go all out. We're going we're to show them they're appreciated and they're loved. And uh, it's just going to be an exciting time. So I pray this commandment doesn't go over you like water. That it's a real thing. That it's a real strategic plan that that God has given us. Times change, commandments don't. Are you going to spring forward? Or are you going to fall back? Let's pray. I'm going to ask Garrett to come. The altar will be over.